Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all their people at the table. I'm your host for today, Dungeon Master Mitch, and on this episode, we are returning to our series, Bringing the Magic of Magic into D&D. And of course, with this series, who else would be joining us but hashtag Magic Mark, that's right, hashtag Magic Mark, is back with us, and we are going to do our second episode of Enchantment Plots. We're going to be looking at four enchantment cards each from Magic the Gathering, and from those cards, we get inspired to create plot ideas for campaigns in Dungeons & Dragons. We go on a bunch of imaginative rabbit trails. I can't wait for you to listen to it. And if you're a gold Patreon dragon or up, you can head over right now to Patreon and download monster stats for Gruul Druids and Ilharg the Razebore based off of the enchantment plot that we talk about, my third enchantment plot card, Rhythm of the Wild. But before we jump into the meat, we of course have some five-star reviews. The first one comes from Tim Schaefer and is entitled Amazing Podcast, five stars. These guys are the absolute best. They always have topics that will engage the creative muscles of your brain when it comes to being the best DM that you can be. Amazing job, guys. Keep it up. Thank you so much, Tim, for writing in that review. We super appreciate it. Our next five-star review is from Take the L Guy and is entitled Love the Podcast Five Stars. Just making episodes, they help me to be a better DM. Short and sweet, thank you so much, Take the L Guy. Really appreciate you taking the time to write that review. Thank you for... Really appreciate you taking the time to write that review. Now, it is time for us to head into the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Well, welcome back to this segment of The Meat. I am excited. It's been a little while since we've had him on. We have hashtag Magic Mark back with us on the Dungeon Masters block. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course, because Mark is here, we will be talking about Magic the Gathering, bringing it into the realm of Dungeons & Dragons. Mark, is this the first time that we've had you back since that became an official thing, that they made Magic the Gathering into a setting for d and I think the previous episode I was on was like, the book was pre-release, yeah, but not like quite out yet. Yeah, it was coming. Yeah. Now we, it's out. Yeah, we knew of it, but we didn't know that it was on its way. Yeah. Or, yeah. When that news came, so many people like tagged the DMs block yeah. and like wrote hashtag Magic Mark and they were just like, look, it's <laughs> happening. Like you've been doing it on the show for a while now. It's finally coming. And so, yeah, the Ravnica book is phenomenal, and I can't yeah. wait to see what other settings in Magic they they get into. Before we start talking about what we're talking about, is there a setting in Magic the Gathering that you personally would really love to see brought into D&D as a campaign book? Well, I was very excited for Ravnica. That was probably my... Is that your favorite setting? Was my favorite set yeah, and setting. You loved and using Ravnica cards. I love, I love the guilds. Right? I love... I, yeah, I'm a pretty hardcore Boros Legion guy. So Ravnica for me was like the it set. I already have like a a Minotaur character kind of like yeah. queued up Ready for my next go. campaign. If anybody ever wants to play with me in there, I got a guy who's a Boros Legionnaire Minotaur guy. So outside of that, Innistrad would be interesting. And that's always already kind of like rumors of the next one being in a strat. I mean, there's quite a few of the big ones that they've had multiple sets for have more lore to pull from to make a book. So I'm guessing those are kind of going to be the ones that they go to first anyway. And an Innistrad book would work really great for those who like the Ravnica 
yeah setting indeed like you could just mesh the two together oh yeah like strahd would definitely be a part of in a strahd yep uh whoa <laughs> just <laughs> figured something out there <laughs> there's a connection there uh yeah that would be sweet to uh see that for me for me it's always going to be mirrodin i yeah. can't wait for that that would i think go along with eberron anyway all that uh doesn't matter because here we're here today to talk about magic the gathering bringing it into D. We're going back to our Enchantment Plots episode. So if you haven't heard the first one, what we do is Mark and me have picked four Enchantment cards each from Magic the Gathering. We're going to describe the cards to you, and then we're going to tell you what story, what campaign idea we've gleaned from either the art of this card, the mechanic, the flavor text, or maybe a mix of all of those things. This is pretty much, let's just be honest, it's pretty much just like our top 10s episode, Yeah. but more focused on coming from direct inspiration from a Magic the Gathering card. So, yeah. so Mark, why don't you start us off, tell us what card, the first card you chose, what inspired you from it, and what idea for a campaign story did you get from it? Yeah, so my first card, um, I pulled Protection of the Hecma, which is from a set, I think it was about a year ago. The art for this card is really what stuck out to me when I was hunting for kind of something to play off of here. And it's just this picture of like a serene city. And then there's like this force wall and then like a massive sandstorm is clashing into the wall. But on the other side, it's peaceful and serene. And for me, that was kind of that hook of maybe there's these party that lives in the city and part of their job their quest is to reinforce kind of the magical enchantments to keep this like chaotic storm out of the city and keep the people safe yeah so the art was really sticking out to me it's kind of this desert setting and it's just this huge wall blocking off a storm there's even like a I believe it's like a little child like standing there staring at the wall. I believe in the the lore of the particular card, it's the Hecma is uh, one of the deities of this particular realm setting. And uh, it's like this city is magically protected by a god to keep it safe from the chaos outside. Yeah, it looks just like a, almost like a window is set up against the city and everything else from outside is just blowing up against it and yeah the the immediate thing that i got when i looked at this art since you brought it up is well what happens when that wall like maybe you see a crack in that yeah force field or window whatever this magic is uh, or what if the mages that are creating it start dying like oh yeah and you, it can, you can tell like it's getting pushed back further and further towards the city like that idea of okay it's going to break. Uh-huh. We're not going to have it. That's that's the danger that I go. What is what is the campaign? What is the story? How do you fix this? That's yeah. a that's a good place to start a campaign. Yeah, this also kind of likens me my mind kind of as we've been talking to. There's in Avengers: Infinity War when Thanos's army is coming down and they have to open the small portion because the bad guys are slowly like working their way through and around. I think it'd be kind of cool to maybe have an invasion against this particular wall. Yeah. And your, yeah. your party Put yourself has to, on the other side. Your party has to either figure out how to get through, or if you're on the defensive side, you have to make hard choices like, do we open a small portion of the wall so we know where they're coming from and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. When you set up, and Mark, I, I was especially like I, I know you as a player, if I set up in my world, it, like this fortress or the city that I said, yeah. this city is impenetrable. No one, ha- no army has ever broken the magical force field. As a player, Mark, <laughs> what do you then do when I set up that lore? I'm I'm already kind of working on how to get through. <laughs> how do I do it? I want yeah. We're ready. Let give it to me. Challenge accepted. <laughs> give, right. Give like, me Sauron's giant bomb. <laughs> uh, I'll have a crazy orc run at it with a torch. Yeah. Now uh, I've I've been looking for like high definition pictures of this card and I haven't yeah. really been able to find it, but I like from a, one of the pictures that I'm looking at, it almost looks like there are, it, there's not only a sandstorm raging outside of this force field, but there's like creatures yeah, pushed up against the wall. Yeah. That to me, like is a whole nother level of like, can you imagine like 
being making a setting, a city where it's just like whether it's zombies or orcs or ogres or uh, demons, whatever it is, that you're able to like this little girl walk around right five feet away from yep. this window that protects you from these creatures that are looking in and seeing you and wanting to destroy you. Yeah. Well, this could even be like an afterlife type setting oh, where, yeah. where the good souls end up in this safe space and all of the ones who didn't weren't quite worthy for whatever reason are trapped on the outside, just looking in and you're maybe your characters have died and had a positive ending. And so you're walking around and you're like, Oh, there's that bad guy we killed three sessions ago. There's that dude who was a big bad last year. Just seeing like the souls of your defeated enemies through this like invisible barrier and we you have you have played in a campaign with me where you got to experience the afterlife yeah even though your character was still alive he traveled to that realm yeah and we had like a lot of cool role-playing opportunities because of that and the idea you're presenting right here to me it's like wow you're you're in this sanctuary that's awesome you're safe but at the same time i also go but are you really happy with constantly looking out and seeing yeah. like tormented or like just souls that are only forms of rage? Like, yeah. do you, do you, I guess you get used to it, but I feel like there could be some good role playing opportunities there as well. Yeah. So my first enchantment card, uh, I figured I'd, I'd do my little bit of cheating right out the gate and then follow the rules the rest of the way through. I don't know if this is a rule we established, but I picked an enchantment aura card Uh uh, for my first one, and it's called Steel of the Godhead. So this card is a aura card, so you attach it to a creature that you control, and the image is of a kithkin, which in Magic the Gathering, we've talked about the kithkin before, are basically halflings. And this kithkin, his eyes are like glowing yellow, and he's holding over his head this huge, opaque blue sword. He, he looks like he's ready to rush into battle. He has this power behind him. And the card itself gives the creature not only a boost to its strength and defense, but also its attacks give it lifelink, which means that it heals itself as it does does damage. And then also it becomes unblockable, which is perfect for a Kithkin or, if we're talking Dungeons & Dragons, like a rogue yeah. halfling. And like I just got this cool idea of, really this made me think of our current campaign that we're playing in, where all of you guys are beings of some incredible power yep. like you're playing a demigod rocks we have a wizard that's over a thousand years old think mm-hmm. of how much magic learning a wizard can make in over a thousand years we have a prophet uh given special ability to see into the future from uh, his god and then we have a warrior who has just decked out all this amazing weaponry that he's able to use And like this kind of got me thinking along those lines of granting your players special powers based off of maybe their their race or their god that they worship and creating a campaign very much around this. Like I can't imagine like this awesome halfling that's been blessed by the god and maybe it's a demigod kind of thing. But that's kind of where I started thinking about that is like a campaign that's based around the race or the God that each character has created into their backstory and having some sort of amazing power that just boosts everything that they do. Yeah. I really like, I didn't really mention in your description of the card, but the, the bonuses have that condition of color. And I really like that. Maybe it's like a piece of equipment that you have to be worthy, like Thor's hammer kind of thing where you can, carry it all you want but if you want it to be used at its fullest potential you have to be both a pursuer of noble deeds and knowledge because this is a blue white thing so um i think it'd be really cool to kind of have like items that are conditional upon if your character does these things then they will get the rewards i mean there there's several that already exist in the dmg you know your books of exalted deeds and things like that where you know you might find this cool sword or kind of whatever this art kind of is implying and you're like 
I want to use that. And you pick it up and the DM's just like, it's a mundane sword to you. And yeah. And, the, <laughs> and then you hand it to your friend and he's like, it is glowing with bright, bright, yeah. brilliant light. And you're have blue power surging through your body. And, <laughs> and, and you look at your, your other player and you're like, what, why do you get this? And I don't kind of, but. Yeah, and maybe it's based off of worship. Maybe it's based off of the blood of your race, something along those lines. Yep. But yeah, maybe that magic isn't bestowed upon your character, per se, or the characters that you're running the game for, but it's bestowed upon the item, and the item activates. It triggers yep. upon being held, like you're saying, by the right person. Yeah. And then if there's multiple persons in the group that maybe things change and they activate, then we can have an awesome scene just like from Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Uh, we won't talk about that just in case anybody <laughs> out there. I mean, seriously, if you haven't seen it by now, come on, get yeah. out there and see it. But like, if you've seen it, you know what we're talking about. You could have a pretty <laughs> sweet, pretty sweet moment there. Yeah. All right, Mark, what's your next enchantment? So my next one is actually a set of five enchantments that's coming in the Ooh. next set of Magic the Gathering from M20. It's the Leyline set. So there's one of each color. I really liked the idea of magical ley lines working their way through your world and like i imagined because of the nine schools of magic that there might be nine like different ley lines going through your world and at certain intersections of these lines certain magics are stronger and more powerful and maybe others are completely negated for a campaign it would be great for a group of magic wielders to be like having to find maybe the intersection of all the lines this like magical arcane hub of the world and when you're there all magic does you know super high damage and all sorts of crazy weird things happen just kind of this arcane heart of the world it's kind of a cool thing maybe it's the way your characters follow these lines is you have to like sporadically cast spells and your dm describes like these moments of like your fire magic seems to be more potent here and you're like i move 100 feet to the left to cast fireball again it doesn't seem quite as good as it was and you have to like burn magic spell slots and weave your way through the world to find this like hub of where lines of fire magic intersect and you can go through all the different schools of magic flavors of elemental damage there's all kinds of ways to kind of mesh that into a world i, I feel like this is kind of building off of the last idea of like this campaign where you give some kind of power to your players yeah. that's beyond what the regular class and race get but this is more focused on yeah like the the land or elemental damage and that kind of thing. And already I'm thinking character creation night might look like, all right, here's, here's the races that, you know, we're, we're going to be working with. And you've got like Ganassi because yeah. they are like perfect for this. Or you, it might not even be dependent on race. Although you can also go with like Tritons and like, if yep. you're going water dwarves, perfect for like earth. Yep. Uh, but it also might come down to like, type of classes that you choose there's i know that there's a monk class that's specifically based off of the elements and using yep. element like i can picture it right now this image of like a monk flying around on a nimbus cloud like <laughs> dragon ball z like yep. you have this i mean we're talking avatar you have this attachment to nature for these characters and those are the perfect characters to have created in the character creation night because those characters that have been a part of the element who have studied their whole life the certain elements that these ley lines are going to be reacting to, yeah. those are the ones in that campaign where the ley lines are either maybe they're more powerful than they have been in the past or disappearing or whatever. Those are the characters that are going to become prominent and the heroes and the ones that like, oh man, like that that fire wielding ganassi with the fire swords is doing incredible things but then also there's this like tragic side of it if like what if the ley lines go away like, were to close yeah. right yeah i think also there could be a whole hook of like they're fluctuating maybe one person is influencing a certain one and is making you know for this example black ley lines become more powerful than the rest and so zombies are suddenly becoming more common and 
you know, you get a bunch of druids together trying to, <laughs> we got to bring balance back to everything because things are a little <laughs> wonky. You know, you can finally get a druid that's interesting. Well, uh, yeah, and then if you have four players and you've got the fire, water, air, and earth, the fire, water, air, and earth, if you're going off of, like, Magic the Gathering with the, the black mana, yep. I mean, that to me, like, I mean, what, what D&D thing do you think of when you think of black mana? I think of necrotic. Necro- yeah, yeah, necrotic. Yep. And if you want to go classic villain, like evil necromancer, I mean, it works, right? Like, yeah. you could have that be, like, the enemy of the campaign. And maybe all four of, maybe you live in a world where these ley lines are, like, this balance uh, to the yeah. world. And the necrotic ley line somehow is becoming stronger and the other four are becoming weaker. And so all four members of the party that are from all these different areas of the world with these ley lines have to team up to go to the land where the necrotic ley line is and face down this evil necromancer who's becoming more and more powerful. Yeah, you enter this place and suddenly your magic feels less powerful and you know his is going to be stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Then you went into a country that's overrun by undead and the undead are getting stronger. And yeah, that would be a very cool, very cool campaign indeed. My next one is called Drowned Secrets. And it's the image is, to me, it looks like it's the sewer system and you have these grates and water rushing and water's falling down from what I would assume is the streets above. And you have these tentacles just kind of creeping out. And you don't see the full creature, but you just see a little bit um, of this creature or creatures that is hiding in the sewer system. And the card itself, the mechanic, works against the opponent to start taking his cards from his deck and putting them into his or her graveyard. And so to me, I have this cool, more, maybe maybe fun campaign idea where you have a bunch of misfits that are all fairly, fairly poor, like yeah. looking to, to gain some wealth some way, and they've heard rumors that there are goods that have been lost for like, years and years and years in the sewers and there's a place that the the water runs that delivers this treasure trove somewhere but there's also whispers of creatures or a creature that protects this treasure and so you have this like you would have a an underdark setting where you're going to the underdark for a particular reason well no you just have like a mega city and you're going into yeah. the sewers for a particular reason and to me all I can think of is what weird characters do you meet in the sewer? Like what weird <laughs> NPCs do you meet in the sewer? Like you could have kobolds, of course, like I think would be perfect. I'm thinking maybe you make some sort of intelligent gelatinous cube that becomes like uh-huh. <laughs> maybe a friend of the party. Like you, to me, it, it would be a little bit more lighthearted. Of course, you could also meet some pretty terrible things in the sewer too. Oh, that yeah. are pretty dangerous. I immediately kind of pictured in my mind this, scaven kind of traveling merchant type guy who's just got a massively oversized backpack full of random junk. Oh yeah. And he's like the, whenever your party needs to like offload all that random junk you acquire over the course of a campaign, he always just kind of shows up and goes, you guys selling anything? What are you buying? What are you selling? (laughs) (laughs) And he's just, he's a, this just rat that collects all kinds of junk and he just shows up and he's just like, you ready to trade? Let's do this. Well, and and then for the first time you meet him, you might not have anything. Yeah. But then from then on, you're going to be asking the DM, your players are going to be asking you like, oh, is there any cool garbage around that yeah. I can find and add to my inventory? <laughs> yeah, where's Squeak It, man? We gotta, I got to offload this apple core. <laughs> Uh, this, by the way, you might be interested, is from Ravnica. So, yes. And, like, oh, my gosh, like, Ravnica, the city that it is, is a mega city. And so yeah. you can definitely understand that somewhere in the sewer, there's some built-up treasure that's been oh, yeah. lost because it's just, it's a massive place. And, yeah, yeah. the things that you might run into down there. Yeah. It, it's the risk versus the reward, right? The treasures are there, but the there are dangers that are going to yeah. be guarding it. And you can always be, you know, your squad of misfit orphans going in to find yes. riches and glory. That'd be so cool. I mean, it's like, uh, yeah, 
everybody loves Stranger Things. Everybody likes these stories where you have like kids going on an adventure. Play yeah. that in D D. Play yeah. some kids going on an adventure and be, like be the Goonies. Yeah, and, the... and yeah, exactly. And then things that aren't typically frightening, like a bugbear, to adventurers to players who play D D for years and years and years. If you're playing little kids. A bugbear's pretty dang scary. Yeah, when he's twice your size <laughs> and all them teeth. Yep. Yep. All right, Mark, what's your next enchantment card? My next one is called Retribution of the Ancients. I mean, this is a little bit of a character thought slash idea. This is uh, uh, from the Cons of Tarkir set, and it's a, uh, a guy who is like can tell he's like really defensively minded and it looks like he's summoning these sand spirits around him. I apparently had a sand theme when I was looking <laughs> for apparently. cards. So it's it seems like this kind of guy that maybe every time he takes damage of some sort, he summons another like sand spirit um, and slowly gets stronger and stronger as he gets more and more hurt. So he's fighting and maybe as he takes more and more damage, more and more spirits kind of show up uh, to help him. And then maybe there's a point where suddenly the magic gets weaker or uh, there's these defeating the spirits instead of focusing on the guy, kind of a reverse mechanic of what your parties normally think. You know, most people go in, we're going to burst down the boss and then we'll deal with the trash. But the whole idea to defeat this guy is you have to, the only way to hurt him is to hurt his minions. Because it's as his spirits go away, he loses his strength. And then he's just a regular dude at the end of it. I mean, I'm going to just tie this right back to yep. your previous one with the ley lines. Because now I'm thinking, all right, flip it on its head and have the Earth ley line character be yeah. the enemy. And walking into a desert land where his... Maybe it's like a wasteland like that this character has literally gone crazy because nobody else lives here but now it looks like it's teeming with life except it's all these sand spirits that yeah. are now the main enemies of the campaign that you need to get to to defeat this character this this mage this elementalist that has literally gone mad from living alone for so many years and we could even tie it back into my first one. Oh. There's a desert that the only places where the ley lines are still functioning correctly happen to be this one city where yes. the force walls are intact. And it's actually the lines are what's causing this force barrier between the chaos of the malfunctioning magic and the functioning magic where the ley lines are still unbalanced. Yeah, actually, if you like look at this art from this card and the art from your first enchantment card, which is entitled protection of the Hecma. Like, honestly, I could see those little creatures, whatever they are pushing up against that window being yeah. the sand spirits. Like it kind of would work really well if you took really all three of those and put them together and created like, we're building a real, we're getting more in depth for one big campaign idea right here. Yeah. All right. So my third enchantment card is, is entitled Rhythm of the Wild. And in this enchantment card, it's a red-green enchantment card, another one from Ravnica, I believe, and you have, through the city, you see this lone rider, he's riding on an armored boar, and behind him is just line after line after line after line, like a whole, he's leading a whole entire army of boars into the city. <laughs> And the flavor text reads, some view Domri's unlikely ascent as a sign of Ilharg, the raised boar's imminent return. And I mean, this this to me just, first of all, I thought of druids immediately yep. as I thought of this, which is very, Mark, you, you remember, what guild is this? The, the green, Gruel Guild. The Gruel Guild, uh, which is perfect for druid-like characters, but yep. I would almost argue druid-like characters with more of a rage aspect yeah. to them than what we typically think of when we think of D&D, &D, druids, yeah. balance, kind of peaceful. Like, there's some chaos. There's a lot of chaos based in nature, but, like, I don't know. When I think of druids, I always think of, like, maybe it's just me, but I think of the cloaked and hooded, like, 
character out in the woods speaking to birds, like yeah. wanting to be one with nature. But this art and this card speaks to like druids coming to take back and fight against civilization. Yeah, this is your barbarian slash druid. Yes. You know, the the wild side. Yeah, of, knock of the cities the to guys. the ground, bring it down to rubble so that nature can once again grow here. And yeah, I mean, it's this image of this one lone character riding a born along with him, these... And there's this green like aura to all, all the boars, so maybe they're magical, maybe they're enchanted, whatever it is. Like he's coming with war in his mind to to fight and to set things straight as far as he's concerned with nature, the power of nature behind him. Yeah, I think in the Ravnica block, the whole plane is a city, and the Gruul Guild specifically are like the for lack of a better term, park rangers. Yeah. Like they're the, the, they're the ones who keep the, the nature stuff in balance. At least that was their their original um, purpose. And a lot of them kind of went crazy because they were supposed to care for the nature. And there was like none left in these little like bastions when they started developing as a, as a clan and their lore kept going. It was a lot of them went into like this madness of, the nature is getting destroyed, so we need to fight for nature. And that's, you know, this guy coming to knock down the city walls and expand his little park into maybe a slightly bigger park is totally accurate with the gruel and very cool for, like, this thought of, like, an army of boar kind of just coming to knock down all the civilization in its path. And, I mean, that's a great point, too, because, you know, thinking about the the rage that's behind the the druids of this setting or this adventure it makes a lot of sense if you place it in a time of your world or in a world that really civilization has run rampant and like you just have cities everywhere and you know you see the smoke billowing from these cities and they've used trees they've cut down trees all over uh to use as fuel for the fires and you kind of have to start getting away from that idea. If you're with me, you kind of have to start getting away from that idea of the, the peaceful, like being in one, being a part of nature druid to the druids who are just like really upset and mad and perhaps going crazy with the fact that like nature is disappearing. And yeah. so they need to rise up and fight back against civilization in order to keep nature still around yeah this is Treebeard stumbling upon yeah. isengard like coming up and just seeing all of the trees have been chopped down and they're being burned by you know these orcs or maybe this is a druid that's recruiting your adventuring party to come help bring nature back into balance you know the orcs have tipped the scales against us and we need to go fight back for the green space or whatever you want to call it. Well, I mean, I don't think... I haven't ever played in a campaign that was very much like that. We've had druids in campaigns and characters who kind of embody lovers of nature and that kind of thing, but it's that typical thing that we've talked about on the show plenty of times where it's like, where do you usually start a campaign? Yep. A tavern, right? Like, you start in a city. like, And we've pushed back against that idea. It's great if you want to, but there's plenty of other ways to start a campaign. But thinking about, like, all four or five or three or however many players you have creating characters that are living out in the wilderness, trying to live in tune with nature, helping nature to, to grow and to flourish and like having a campaign where it's like you're waging war against the cities that are encroaching upon the land that you so dearly love. Yep. That's kind of, that would kind of be a cool campaign to be like, all right, we're going in the city to, to wreck house it's time to knock these buildings down but we're doing this for a righteous cause yeah all right guys you finally get to murder the town guards <laughs> you're welcome and you get to do it on the back of a treant yep. you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> pretty awesome all right yep. mark what is your fourth and final enchantment card all right you cheated with your first card right, i'm kind of cheating with my last okay. one this is a enchantment aura okay but it's also a transform card Interesting. So it's I don't called even know what that is. It's called Skin Invasion. 
Oh, it's one of the cards that flips. Yeah, that flips. Oh, cool. So this, uh, you enchant a, cr- in cr- a creature. It's like this little parasite scorpion thing. Um, and it's, I like to think of it as maybe you could modify like a parasite that makes it so your character always has barbarian's rage. It never goes away. It's kind of this thought process. And then it says, when the enchanted creature dies, return this card to the battlefield transformed. And it turns it into a little insect horror creature that fights for you. So I kind of imagine like there's the rot grub from ND and D kind of imagining something similar to that, where it's completely negligible when you find it. And you're, most people are like, it does one point of damage. Oh shoot. But then if it, if you let it sit there and linger, Next thing you know, you start having to roll like on a madness table and your DM starts kind of saying your character has to deal damage to something this round or else consequence happens. And then eventually maybe the party figures out what's going on and then you have this great beast that's acquired all the powers of your barbarian and you have to fight it. You know, it could be your big bad has been sitting under the skin of your party tank this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, I'm thinking of reincarnation in a, in a fantasy setting. Yeah. This could not only just be a campaign, but this could be a mechanic that is something that you work with in your world that maybe when death comes, like characters, they come back, they are reincarnated as something lesser or smaller and maybe there's like maybe there's some people that are blessed or cursed depending on how you look at it with memory of their past lives and so some like most people like they they come back and like they don't remember their past lives they know everybody's like yeah reincarnation's a thing we understand like how the process works but maybe there are some that like remember it and so you could literally have um a party and you could have Three of your characters die, and then that one party member is joined by three, like, creatures of insignificance. Yeah. But, like, he's like, no, I understand that these are my friends. And then is there a way to bring them back? Is there a way to, uh, yeah, magically give them new bodies and, like, continue the adventure? You could... If that was a mechanic you're working with, you could certainly throw a lot of dangers at your players yeah. and just be like, death is death is not the end. It's just a step back. You can yeah. always get back. Yeah. A good like reset button for a campaign. You get to play the same character. Yep. But yeah, I'm you're sick gonna have of, to go through some stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sick of being a rogue. I'm gonna go die. That uh <laughs> that brings me to destiny, because that's like almost the whole concept hmm. of the video game. As far as your characters have a ghost, your whole thing is you can die and come back and it's, you're fearless. And a lot of like the main characters are like, I've died so many times. I don't even feel the consequence anymore. Hmm. And that would be, you know, I think of like, if you really want like a hardcore power gamer group, that's maybe new to tabletop gaming, you could bring this whole concept into a tabletop setting and you know what? It could be your party goes, all right, it's time to wipe. Everybody slit your own throats. We're going to rebuild <laughs> next week. Um, yeah, or or a group that's played for years and throwing them a new role-playing challenge of, you know, you see that they, they try to play realistic characters, that death is, a, like, of course we don't want to die. Like, I, I want to make smart choices, but then what if, like, you constantly are able to come back as a creature and then there's some way to bring you back? Like, then you're giving them a new challenge of like, how does your character face death? Does he, is he now, is your character now a kick in the door? Like take risks all the time. You have to imagine death still hurts. Getting crushed by that Warhammer of that ogre still hurts, but do they approach it differently? And then the other flip side of all this is we're talking about the heroes. What about the villain that dies and can come back if you, if you don't like figure out a way to stop them from coming back. Yeah. And I think you, uh, it could be a good challenge for a DM who might be bored of like the only stakes you ever give your players is you might die. You take that off the table. How do you make a, it's a definitely sense, a challenge. Of, a sense yeah. of urgency, yep. a sense of difficulty. You know, you have to rely on, all right, if you don't defeat this guy right now, bad things are going to happen. And what are those bad things? And then, 
you could add a layer of like maybe only a few people are able to revive like this. And maybe it's there's five people connected to these ley lines in a desert, and you could you could add all the layers together, and we could just build the whole thing there. there. There's plenty of ways to kind of like add stakes that aren't just you could die. And I think there's also an interesting aspect for a player. How do you how do you play someone who's not afraid of death? And then what happens if permanent real death is, is presented table, to yeah. your character who has never felt that fear before. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and there's, yeah, exactly. There's, if there's no death, either you introduce that as something that can happen or well, what's worse than death? Like yeah. about just being imprisoned, like your whole entire life. Like there's other things that can be scary for that type of character. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So my last enchantment card is called Skybind. And the image is of a soldier from Theros, the very Greek-type setting in Magic the Gathering, floating through space, his armor all kind of floating there next to him. And the card basically acts as blinking in and out creatures and permanents from the battlefield. Like, they disappear for one round, and then they'll be back the next round, which in Magic the Gathering really is really great because you can kind of like, like we see the image of this character floating and his stuff is no longer attached to him. You can do that in Magic the Gathering and like pop him out and then all of a sudden their stuff, their enchantments, they, they're all gone. Yep. But in a D&D campaign story, I think of what if some sort of magical effect is literally making people living creatures disappear first of course you and the rest of the pcs that are playing in this your pcs are going to be like okay these people are disappearing maybe they were kidnapped maybe they're you know you start to go what's the mystery here that we need to figure out yeah but then 10 days later maybe they reappear wherever they disappeared but if they were floating around in space for 10 days most of them are going to be dead. <laughs> yep. So that adds to the mystery. Like you as the DM, you're going, okay, there's this magic that's sucking them and popping them in, into space and then they're coming back dead. But then, you know, there, there are some races that could very well survive a trip oh, yeah. to space for 10 days. So what happens when that character or creature disappears, comes back to tell the tale? And then you are giving your players this this magic is causing this to happen and we need to get to the source of this. You guys need to figure out what the source is so that people can stop disappearing, being teleported into space, coming <laughs> back dead. Like this is a huge problem. Yeah. I think you could even, what if they disappear and come back and they have no recollection of anything happening hmm. at all? What, what do you do if a character in the story is just missing 10 days of existence? Yeah. You know, if yeah, maybe maybe they're not being transported to space, but they're just being transported elsewhere. Yeah. yeah, I think it'd be really interesting to kind of have this shimmer echo of a person kind of blipping in and out. You know, it could be a good quest giver of like maybe they're blinking into the future and blinking back, and they're Ooh. like they keep on getting this profit like glimpses of the future and then they come back and they're like, all right, these are the things you need to do in order to change what's going to happen. And, you know, you could even have it where they only have so much time to share what they have to share. <laughs> and every time you as the DM share, like, this is your quest. You have to do this. And you, like, cut off mid-sentence if the players oh, keep gosh. interrupting you or something <laughs> like that. Players are going to love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, you could do it as, like, a different setting than space. Because if they go to space, most characters, most people that are going to go to space are going to come back dead. And that's yep. that's a problem. But maybe it's not, maybe some go to space, maybe some go to a different place around the world and they come back and that element of not remembering is really interesting because like what if they come back like scarred or burnt but they don't remember why? Yeah. Maybe they just completely lose time. So in their minds, it's like one second they're beating the anvil to like make a new sword and the next second they're like on the ground screaming because their whole entire body is covered in burns that and like you as the players are trying to figure out where what's happening what's causing this is this something malicious is this something unnatural like what's going on coming to the bottom 
going to the bottom of it. If you're gonna do the time thing, like you said, I just gotta I just gotta throw this out there as a warning that it's really hard to do time stuff, right? <laughs> oh yeah. As we can see in like every movie, I love time travel stuff. Very few movies do it without error. Oh, yeah. So if you're playing with a bunch of players who like to throw things out at you that you're not looking for, you got to be really on your toes with time travel stuff. Yeah, timey-wimey stuff's always fun to talk about. Yeah. But once you get down to the nitty-gritty, never always. Establish ever. the rules and stick to the rules. Yeah. <laughs> I was also thinking... Um, you mentioned like a blacksmith getting blinked out of existence. What if nothing happened to him at all, but he like stopped working and then he comes back and the, the forge is cold. And for him, it seems like 10 seconds have gone by. And how did that fire that's been crazy hot for 50 years just go oh, out? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like for him, nothing happened. But for the rest of the world, 10 days went by. Hmm. And all his de- only detail is he was pounding on the sword, and it was red hot. And then he like went up and came down, and the sword was cold, and his forge was cold, and the lights were off, and like maybe a couple of things were missing. And he's like, what just happened? And he could almost like send people on investigative things, not even having any clue that it was him who disappeared for 10 days kind of thing. We've moved so far away from the original card yeah. in this idea, but I, I want to keep going because it's such a cool idea of just like, yeah, like, and take that and say, forget the forge. Like, let's say the, a father of a family disappears. Yeah. You can even make these, the like, if we're going, if we're going this route, you can just say the players are the ones that disappear and yeah. they disappear for 10 years. They come back the same age. Yep. They pop back into their reality the same age, but now everybody they know has aged 10 years, except maybe the other players, the other characters. And then, like, what kind of world are you coming back to? Like, you, this could be, like, the inciting incident to start the campaign and really make a lot of depth into who your character is going to be and what problems they're going to have to deal with without even like, we're really not even establishing what the campaign's going to be about, but like yeah. that's a crazy start for these characters to deal with. Like we yeah. popped out of existence 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. We're coming back. The world is different. The people we loved are dead or older. How do we deal yeah, that can. That's already a, a lot of parties struggle with. Sometimes there's that one guy who doesn't have a reason to like stick with the group. Yeah, that immediately gives your whole party. Yeah, a you're reason not going to gonna leave the couple of people that this happened to. Yeah, in fact, you're going to go. Why? Yeah. Why did it only happen to three or four of us? Yeah. Why were we cursed special? What is it? What's going on here? Yeah. Well, Mark. That was our Enchantment Plots episode. We, I think we got a lot of cool ideas for campaign ideas that yeah. the DMs out there can, can gladly take and run with, change as much as they want, and use it for their own games. I hope that our listeners have enjoyed it. Mark, if our listeners would like to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch with you? I occasionally check my Twitter, though... Uh... I'm not the most active person on Twitter. So at real underscore Ricks, generally, if I get mentioned, I get the notification and will acknowledge it. <laughs> but I'm not that guy who's tweeting every day. Uh, if you contact Mitch through the DMs block email, I'm sure the message would get to me relatively quickly. That's true. I kind of yeah. enjoy my anonymity, though. So, Yeah. I check my Twitter. Mark's phone every number, so often. if you're wondering <laughs> about texting him, is. <laughs> and his social security number is. <laughs> All right, well, Mark, thanks for joining us, and we hope to have you back on soon. Yeah. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this past episode and the discussion we had. I think we brought a lot of cool ideas to the table on plots that you can use in your home game. And like always with this show, Take the stuff you like, use it, take the things you don't like, change it, add to it. That's the whole point. We want to inspire you as Dungeon Masters. If you have ever taken a Magic the Gathering enchantment card and had a plot idea from it, tell us about it. Write into us at DungeonMasterBlock at gmail.com. And if something in this show gave you inspiration and got you excited, please 
take a couple seconds out of your time, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. It helps us to reach more and more dungeon masters and potential dungeon masters. And as always, we will read that review on the air. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. And you can like our Facebook page. Those are two great places to go if you would like updates about the show. We have a Patreon member shout-out of the week, and this week's Patreon member shout-out goes to... Annie Rishore! Thank you so much, Annie, for your support of the show and all Block Party Podcast Network shows. It is super-duper appreciated. Annie is a dreaded gold dragon. So, Annie, we hope that you're enjoying all the rewards on our Patreon. And once again, thank you so much. The Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network. Check out other shows like Detentions and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, We're So Bad at Adventuring, and more. Well, that's all that we have for you on this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all their people at the table. I'm Dungeon Master Mitch, reminding you to always and forever keep on Dungeon Mastering. It's not inspiration, it's not wisdom, and it's bad advice. Keep two glasses of water behind your DM shield at all times. One as a refreshment, and the other to pour on any player's phone if they take it out at any point to check Facebook. Goodbye.